In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Betches Media presents... Chrissy Teigen referred to Donald Trump as a pussy-ass bitch. Look, he's a sick puppy. He, he, shouldn't, be, he shouldn't be there. Well, I lost half a day of skiing. I'm going to punch him out and I'm going to go to jail. I'm going to be happy. The Betches Sub Podcast. A speaker has not been elected. Hello, this is the Betches Sub Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. I'm Amanda Duberman, the news director at Betches. I'm Elise Morales, a comedian and writer of the SUP newsletter. And I'm Millie Tamaris, comedian and SUP video contributor. Today's number is 11,700. That is because that is how long ago the Earth's last epic began. This week, scientists officially said the planet she's in, we're all in a new era. We collectively, wow. did you feel it? I don't know if you felt it this week, but we entered a new era. I guess the era's tour or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of us together. <laughs> The Eros tour has hit the planet. Yeah. So the determination was made. This is so interesting to me. Based on observations in like many locations, basically scientists like go all around the world and they measure all of these locations. But primarily they looked at a Canadian lake and decided that like the sediment in this Canadian lake is really emblematic of this new era and how humans have impacted the earth because it is laced with microplastics, fly ash spread by burning oil and coal, and the detritus of nuclear bomb explosions. All of that, Mother Nature, (laughs) she is holding all of that in her bones. And these conditions suggest that humans have changed the earth dramatically enough that this era can now be referred to as the era of humans, aka the Anthropocene era. That doesn't mean that the Anthropocene era just began, only that we just kind of confirmed it. Like, yes, we are. We have fundamentally changed the planet. But scientists believe that this shift happened first in 1952, because that's when the United States first detonated a huge hydrogen bomb in the Marshall Islands as a test. As I was reading this about the lake, I was just like, the body keeps the score. Yeah. Mm. And I the mean- body is telling <laughs> us that we caused some trauma. <laughs> the thing that like flashed through my mind is just that like that SNL sketch of like the four sisters, three of whom are like beautiful and one is just <laughs> Kristen Wiig with like little tiny hands. And so it's like all the other eras being like, I'm Janice. And then our era being like, and I'm Judy. It's just like all <laughs> fucked up, full of plastics and whatever. Totally. I mean, you do. It's like you remember the science books, like when you were a kid and you can like see the eras and how the earth evolves. Just this one mm-hmm. is just like, you know, just probably wild animals with arms growing out of their foreheads because of the the nuclear waste that we've dumped everywhere. Yeah, oh. but you know, I gotta say, objectively speaking, fashion's the best. Nope. <laughs> 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 but, uh, guess what? We food's hitting better. <laughs> yeah, food is the best it's ever been. As food's the world wastes away, I'm having a great time on my little phone, my little chat GPT. So you know yeah, what? There are there are highs and lows. You're just on chat GPT. <laughs> That's what I do. That's what I just fuck around with it. I just talk to it. It's my friend. Oh, wow. I mean, I thought this art, I thought this was, 
uh, a depressing update, but that is awesome. You're welcome. Yeah. You're very, very welcome. That is what I am spending my Anthropocene era doing. What era are you in lately, Elise? I'm in my strike era. We're yes. going to get into it, but... I I'm, thought you were going to say pool garden, but... No, I am in my I am in my growing a kiddie pool garden on my deck era, but as of I so I don't think they've officially announced it until like 3 p.m. today okay. for a little peek behind the curtain. We record it like around one, everyone. Now you know. Um, but I am in my strike era. I have entered into my striking for solidarity era. <laughs> Inside the actor studio today. Mm-hmm. Millie, what what era are you in? Lately, um, I'm going to say like a tangent of the strike era. I'm going to go ahead and say I'm in my dollar store era mm. where everything that I need, I go to the dollar store, see if they have it first. I'm looking up all these TikTok dollar store recipes. Uh, you can get pads at the dollar store. I mean, you know, I'm definitely in my dollar store era. I stand the Dollar Tree, Dollar General so hard. Family dollar. Family dollar. Honestly, anything that's close, the dollar, anything that's close by, mm-hmm. I'm going. I always notice because there are a lot of people on TikTok that they now have millions of followers. And it is incredible what they do, what they show you, how you can feed an entire family by shopping at the dollar store. But now I'm like, you have 3 million followers and brand partnerships. You're going to Cinderella. I know you are. <laughs> well, uh, there, there's one lady where I'm like, she's she's believes the brand because she'd be yeah. eating... She be and I'm also like I mean her kids probably have their favorites. It's like, yeah. Yeah, but I'm also like that we we don't need to know like what the GDP or the NASDAQ or anything. We just need to know how many people are following the Dollar Tree dinners, lady. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Cuz that's yeah. how we can tell if there's an inflation or not. If if it's popular to see if you could stretch your your paycheck $10 to feed you for 10 days. Dog. Right. We're Are those inflation back. numbers that we just saw? I mean, they look pretty good for Joe, but I do want to see how many views those those dollar store dinners are getting. That is that is the real economic barometer, I think. I did just share an article that I was like, this is bleak, that like the amount of people who are paying for their groceries with Klarna and Affirm, like doing pay and for for their groceries has like skyrocketed. And I'm like, that's that's a failed state. That's a failed state when people are using afterpay for their groceries. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, this is a late stage capitalism <laughs> hallmark. Yeah, that's crazy. Does Trader Joe take a firm? <laughs> yeah, I know. Does I was Trader like, Joe- there was also part of me that was like, I can play for my gro- groceries with a card. <laughs> yeah, noted. Yo, because honestly, like, yeah, you know, but again, dollar store eggs or good eggs, because I'm like, I do need a small business loan, actually, to pay for this. Yeah, eggs are tough. Sorry, Joe, but I mean, we're still feeling it. So it's like, even though inflation is like not going up as quickly as possible, I think the prices for some things have gone down. I, I was reading this morning, but they are like not, not common not common things. Well, yeah, because it's also like gas was so insane that yeah. now that it's back to normal, that like brings the number down. But there's still other stuff where the prices are kooky crazy. Kooky crazy. prices. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So first up in May news, before we get to the strike, we have an update 
or maybe a lack of update uh, that you've been waiting for. So the Secret Service investigation into who brought cocaine into the White House has concluded. This baggie was subjected to, this is what I'm going to tell my kids if they ever think about doing drugs. This baggie was subjected to advanced testing and examined at two different federal labs. It went to many places where they tried to pick up latent uh, fingerprints. But fortunately for our White House friends who like to party, there was no usable forensic or video evidence to identify the individual response. Republican Congressman James Comer has demanded a more thorough, more thorough briefings. He wants to know more. He said, quote, the presence of illegal drugs in the White House is unacceptable (laughs) and a shameful moment in the White House's history. And just to think how many shameful moments there have been. I know. I'm like, let it go. This guy's like, somebody was, somebody was like ripping lines at the White House. It happens. It is the White House. I mean, I, literally and metaphorically, it is the White House. Also, I don't want to hear anything from Republicans about shameful moments in White House history. No. I mean, I know that the insurrection did not take place at the White House, but that's pretty shameful. A lot of the Nixon shit did. That guy was roaming around high eating dog biscuits. I'm sorry. Bill Clinton was eating out Monica Lewinsky on the on a bathroom counter at the White House. Yeah. And we're hey. talking about <laughs> shameful. He was using the White House phone. Listen, he was using the White House phone to call her to call his 24 year old side. I'm sorry. And I got to also this say, was right. This was right under that for James Comer. Well, mm-hmm. no, I would say that was probably worse. I would say that the reason Republicans went so hard to impeach Bill Clinton is because he found out he gave Monica Lewinsky oral sex, and they're against that. <laughs> but that's neither Wait, here nor there. Wait, that's a whole new podcast. That's a whole new <laughs> podcast. Well, um, I do also want to say that, like, JFK was getting, like, bats blood injected into his ass. Like, crazy <laughs> stuff. <laughs> For what? Like, the, this- B- the, the original BBL. Yeah, yeah, for his, like, he had, like, Addison's I mean, disease. he had Addison's disease and, like, back problems. And so he had, like, I think we did an episode on yeah, this. Yeah, we did. Like, it was all ago, sorts of, like. Ages and ages ago. Yeah. But he had this, like, like, it, it, like, unofficial doctor who came with him and would give him this crazy drug cocktail just so he could, like, go out there and say shit. And then also, I think Jackie O has said that she was on uppers at the inauguration to get through all the parties. Oh, my God. Yeah, they were just call them like their elixir. I mean, like, yeah, like everybody was on Mommy's Little Helper back then, which was like Adderall, but like even more like edgy. Yeah. I also, okay, drugs aside, I also think, again, this did not take place at the White House, so it doesn't technically count. But I think Donald Trump (laughs) making his Secret Service right in a SUV while after he tested positive for COVID. There are at least 800 things that Trump did that are more shameful than a staff member. But I guess like, oh, I was going to say that if it was a staff member, I assume if you work at the White House, you're fingerprinted before that happens. But I guess they just couldn't get any fingerprints off of this off of this baggie. So whoever left their blow in the White House, good for you on the personal hygiene. I don't know how you didn't leave any fucking touch DNA there. Or maybe somebody is just covering for you. But that seems to be the end um, of this saga. But Republicans are all like up in arms. Like, how did this get into the White House? What's with the security? And it's like, like we said, probably somebody who had the highest security. It it probably wasn't somebody that snuck in with cocaine. I'm just going to say, like, it was probably someone who, like, left it in their pocket and didn't even, like, really really... You know, some people leave things in their leave, pocket. You leave things in your pocket. Sometimes a little baggie, 
You have a fun night. You forget that, you know, you left it in your sports coat. I had a friend <laughs> who that happened to like after they got off of a plane in the new place. I have a like they fully who got through TSA, they brought drugs on a plane. Fully, fully got through I'm everything. Gonna... And then they were like, oh, I guess we have to do all these drugs before we fly back. I'm not going to say if that's happened to me <laughs> or not, but I will say that I had my fanny pack. And I was so nervous about bringing CBD into Mexico mm-hmm. that I didn't realize that I had a party fanny pack with me and opened it in Mexico to a surprise. I also was at someone's <laughs> wedding here. I'm not going to say who. Whose wedding? But I was at no someone's knows. wedding and um, went to go tip the bartender and something mm. fell out into the tip jar and I had to push through. <laughs> I also... <laughs> I will also say that maybe, no, this is now, but I'm also just speculating that the reason why they couldn't find forensic evidence is because a dollar bill was used. <laughs> <laughs> and the dollar bill has so many hands. Shit. I'm, I, you know what? These are rich people. I'm going to say mm-hmm. somebody used a 20, maybe even a hundred if they're balling. A like Harriet that. Tubman 20. <laughs> a Harriet Tubman 20. That is the world that Republicans don't want. Just just liberals, just an end to the war on drugs, sensible drug use, railing lines with a Harriet Tubman 20. And if this is your first time listening to the Betcha Sub podcast, welcome. Welcome. This is where you get real news. Yes. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click Gift Mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. 
That's newly with two U's and enter the code feverdream 20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's with code feverdream 20 Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. All right. Speaking of expensive drugs, let's go to Hollywood next. The action strike <laughs> you've been hearing about and seen discussed on prominent actor Elise Morales' Instagram account. It's happening. So the looming strike is being referred to as the first industry-wide shutdown in Hollywood in 63 years because the writers are obviously also on strike. The last time both the writers and the actors were on strike, Ronald Reagan was the president of SAG. Interesting. (laughs) Not of of the U.S., of SAG. And right now, this always surprises me, even though I know this fact, it's Fran Drescher. Is she well-liked as the president of Mm, SAG? No. People – okay. So I think when she was first the president, everyone was like – Huh, that's yeah, fun. That's fun. And <laughs> and no. now that like there's actually serious business that has needed to be conducted, people <laughs> are pretty upset with her. I mean, most recently last week she was at the Dolce and Gabbana show with that Kim Kardashian right. and like that's taking right. pictures with Kim Kardashian, and people were pretty pissed. Not just because she's like doing this when she's supposed to be like like we have a strike looming, mm-hmm. but also because. There has been a really big issue with Ryan Murphy production specifically mm-hmm. scabbing wow. on the writer's strike. He has mm-hmm. remained in production on all of his shows, and it's kind of like technically allowed, but it's it's scabby, you know? Yeah. Like he's he's so rich, like he could stop production on one of his shows for a little bit and be chill. There have got to be 12 being edited right now. Like, you can yes. take a beat. And Kim Kardashian is starring in one of these product, these like scabby light productions. Mm-hmm. Mm. So light. she's come under fire for crossing the picket line to like get to work. Like, she has literally physically crossed mm-hmm. the picket line to get to work on this production. So for Fran to be literally taking pictures with Kim and being like, woo, people have not been happy. And I was actually a little bit nervous that Fran was going to strike a shitty deal with the product with the producers at the last minute. Mm. But I was pleasantly surprised to see that as not the case. Yeah. Another criticism of Fran Drescher is that um, one of, you know, obviously what she's famous for is The Nanny. And that is a show that was extremely successful, but it's on super syndication and its residuals are you know, classic residual deals that can allow for her to basically never have to work again because she can make a decent income just from residuals, which is exactly what people are arguing now. So it's Mm -hmm. also like scabby stuff aside. It's also like you have someone representing working actors who kind of is out of touch with what they're dealing with uh, now. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully she can understand like what what we want is what you have had and been able to live off of for the better part of the last couple of decades, which is not a model that exists anymore at all. No. And I mean, it seems like she at least didn't stand in the way of what's happening now, which I was a little bit, especially with like the Kim K stuff coming out, some statements that she's made, like even being because she was like on the picket line with the writers, but then they would ask like, Mm-hmm. Okay, well, what about SAG? And she would be like, well, SAG's a little different. Well, SAG's a little different. She kind of <laughs> <Stop>. like, <laughs> yeah. she kind of hedged on it. So um, mm-hmm. I was a little bit concerned about what SAG was going to do. It sort of seems, and 
from what I've kind of read that like the studios aren't even close. So maybe that made that decision yeah. kind of like easier for her. But the SAG after did announce late last night that its negotiations with the studios over a new contract had failed and that its negotiating board had voted unanimously to recommend a strike. Um, and I think that was going to be like authorized with another vote this morning, maybe a couple hours ago, and then announced, like Lee said, later this afternoon. So I think people could be on picketing as soon as uh, this afternoon. The studios appeared caught off guard uh, with the actors resolved to hold out for a fairer contract. I think they thought they would just sort of get this done. A lot of super prominent actors. I mean, there are there are, of course, very wealthy and influential TV writers. But I think more people kind of know the name, you know, Meryl Streep and Jennifer yeah. Lawrence. These are actresses who have vowed to participate in the strike. So that's sort of a single that like, no, this will actually cost you money. And that is important because people like Meryl Streep and Jennifer Lawrence can wait a long, long time before they can't afford their apartments, unlike writers who, to close this out with just some updates on the writer's strike, there was a viral quote this week in which an anonymous studio executive told Deadline that they expected the writer's strike, and I'm sure this is what studio executives are saying about actors as well, actors who aren't Meryl Streep and uh, Jennifer Lawrence. This is a real quote. The end game is to allow things to drag on until union members start losing their apartments and losing their houses. This is a quote from, this is almost like sounds like somebody made it up <laughs> to vilify them. But this is a real quote from a studio executive. And streamers are just hoping to make union members so desperate that they will come back to the negotiation table with fewer demands. So at least what are these demands? Are they kind of similar to the whole like this entire business model with streaming is untenable? What are the particular demands that have not been met? Yes. So they are very similar to what we've talked about as far as the writer's demands. Writers have separate concerns about like mini okay. rooms and the duration length of jobs. With actors, it's a lot to do with residuals pay, which um, again is basically a pay that actors receive when work that you did plays again. So back in the day, like Millie was saying with the nanny, if your show went into syndication, like if you were on a Friends, a Nanny, a Seinfeld, anything big like that, you are basically getting genuinely good checks forever. But with streaming, they do not, the way that you're paid out if your stuff is replayed is just, it's not enough to live on in the way that previous working actors have been able to like live on their residuals pay. Also, the pay, the day rate that you get for something like a guest star role has really, really gone down in the age of streaming. So back in the day, you used to be able to, if you booked like one or two guest star roles on a good show, then you were pretty much set for that year as an actor, which again, like as an actor, you can go a full year without booking anything. And that's not uncommon, but also in order to qualify for the SAG health insurance right now, you have to make $29,000 in the year. It's like right around that amount. So now you would have to book like, like six or seven guest star roles or like a major recurring role. And they've just changed the way like that payout works to make it a lot harder to make a living as a working actor. And then the other big thing, which is similar to what the writers are fighting for, 
is AI. So in the case of the writers, they don't want scripts to be written by AI. They don't want scripts that have already been written to be used to train AI. With actors, you don't want your likeness to be able to be recreated by AI. You don't want your likeness to be fed to AI to create a whole new super weird actor that can do anything and can work as much as you want because it's a robot that has like a tiny piece of your face used to create it, right? And also another big thing is your voice. Your voice being able to be used because so like, Let's say in the case of when I did The Marvelous Ms. Maisel, my two episodes, when once that was done filming, there ended up being uh, some sound issues. They wanted to re-record a couple lines. So I had to come in and do what's called ADR, which is basically where you go in and you re-record your lines over yourself and they use that, like, mm-hmm. you, they use your voice. If they're allowed to feed your voice to AI, then they, and I, and you get paid your day rate for that. So that was actually like a pretty big and unexpected check that I got Mm -hmm. when I found out I had to come in and do ADR, which was exciting. If they were able to feed my voice into AI, they could just have AI re-record all my lines Mm -hmm. and they could have AI re-record. Like, let's say Millie is the star of a show, right? But they want to do, you know, the little like, You'll see an ad on Hulu that's like, watch our show Tuesdays mm-hmm. at da-da-da. Millie would have to come in and say those lines. But if they are allowed to feed Millie's voice into AI, they could just use her voice to create the ads for the show. And that would be money that she didn't get. So it is really like, it is kind of like an existential issue because if they are allowed to do this with AI both for the writers and the actors, then our future ability to strike is totally fucked because then they can say, okay, the writers are striking. Well, we're just going to have a robot write (sighs) scripts in the meantime. Or like, you're on strike. No, you're not because we have a robot version of you that will make your appearances for you, which like the tech isn't fully there yet, but it will be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It will get there. And so it's really interesting to see the way that these studio executives have really been digging in on the AI, which shows me like that is their intention. They do want to get to a place where they can create an AI Meryl Streep who can do the entire promotional tour and whatever. And then they don't even need to pay Meryl Streep, which is why a Meryl Streep, uh, Jennifer Lawrence, like those people are getting involved too, because they're like, well, fuck my appearance fee is totally screwed if they're able to just be like, we have a- we have Jennifer Lawrence AI to do these ads and to do these appearances and to do uh, the trailer or whatever. Yeah, and just to like take a step back or just the bigger picture thing, which is the same thing that the writers are striking for, and a lot of people like across industries, it's the ability, it's like, they are changing the model of these careers to make it a gig economy so that people can accept worse uh, working conditions, less pay, and have to juggle multiple jobs just to be able to be a sustainable writer, actor, whatever. And before, it used to be like, okay, there were some hurdles, but 
you get your first job or you get your second job and you're good for life. You have this. And now it's just harder and harder. All for the sake of shareholders, hmm. for the sake of Wall Street that have invested in these studios and they want to see their return. And it's all, you know, or the people at the top, David Zasloff, uh, uh, Tim hmm. Sarandos, or Bob these- Iger. Bob Iger, these guys are making 200, 300 million dollars a year. And, you know, they just it was very recent, like um, I think yesterday or the day before was the 10 year anniversary of Orange is the New Black, which really was wow, one of the biggest, yeah. uh, like the first real Netflix original series that really brought like streaming. It kind of changed the model of streaming and. One of the, you know, first of all, it's like one of the women on there, you know, I had a ton of women who are like, you know, great and amazing actresses. They're just like, we have not seen the fruits of our labor. Like we are what we were one of the biggest shows. We put Netflix on the map. I was not compensated as such. That's kind of the broader point. So, you know, we're kind of living through this weird anthropocene (laughs) yeah yeah exactly yeah i mean so many things as you guys were talking i feel like at least when you were saying that like you have to do you know six to seven gigs just to make that minimum and like i didn't really really fully appreciate until i really kind of like knew you guys that like that's a year of nonstop work, six to seven, because you're constantly auditioning. You might have to travel. You're going to have to say no to some things in order to make others. Like, whereas a lot of people you go to, you have a steady job, you go Mm -hmm. every day, you do the same thing. Like the hustling to get those jobs is happening year round and that's not work you're getting paid for. So it's like, the question is really whether writing or acting whether we believe it can be an actual career for people. And that, I mean, people seem to understand, grasp the series of that moment, especially because like you said, Elise, it's crazy to think that like this, the actors aren't just holding the line for this contract. They're holding a line against, you know, free, free reign with AI, because then, like you said, like then they have no leverage kind of at all. And I think for that reason, people are like, this is really, really going to stretch. Something interesting. I, I read today that the Directors Guild did come to an agreement uh, with the studios recently. Why do you think that is? What's that? I think it has to do with the leadership at the Directors Guild. My understanding is the president of the Directors Guild was working on a movie with Robert De Niro and mm. just personally didn't want to strike themselves. <laughs> like she just oh no, a stop. strike personally impacting you. That is yeah. kind of the whole thing. Yeah, it is that Directors Guild thing. It did that was one of the reasons why I was a little bit stressed about whether or not SAG yeah. would actually join the strike because at the end of the day, like it makes sense that writers have kind of the most solidarity in general because writers, even though it's a very competitive field, when you are submitting like a packet, let's say, like that's usually how you get a writing job is you would submit a packet to a show or you would submit your samples. There are there are a couple jobs in the room for that show. So like, let's say Millie and I are both submitting for the same show. We can work on our packets together and, you know, root for each other to a certain degree to get mm-hmm. the same job. And then you're in the writer's room and you're collaborating. As an actor if Millie and I are going out for the same part, like only one of us is going to get it. Or as a director, like if you want to direct this thing, you're, you're going to be the only director. So it kind of creates a more individualistic situation for people. 
I also think there are just less members hmm. and the easier for consensus, easier for consensus, but also the nature of directing, unfortunately, is super, super money. Like for you to be able to direct, you need a studio to bet on you to, you know, it's just there's yeah. a, there's a higher barrier of entry to be a director like than there is for act, for writing and um, acting. And I feel like it, I just I'm going to make a calc, you know, a guess that it's mostly white straight men that are directing. I think that's a good guess. And like, yeah, like the, you know, the barriers of entry, like for you to be a writer, there's all these things and the hustling that you're saying or whatever. But for you to be director of anything, that means like even Hallmark, Netflix, every, you know, gambling, $100,000, $3 million, $4 million, five, ten, $100 million on your vision. That guild has different goals and it's it's just structured differently, so it's in a completely different way, different membership, probably more what you know what that's why honestly, you see of your favorite TV shows, there's always Issa Rae guest directed this episode or this person guest directed guest directed because you need so much money mm. or you need so much thing, you know what I mean? So yeah, it also sounds like directors on like have probably more to lose by souring their relationship with studios. Obviously yes. it's not good for anybody. Yeah. It I seems like true. they are relying on them really trusting them and giving them a lot of money. Yes. They work with, yeah, that's a great point. They work with studios probably more <clears throat> closely than a writer's room or an act, you know, an actor's like whatever. Yeah. You know? Well, they're going to have to find something to direct, I guess, because this seems like it's really, really going to stretch. I think like the, you know, market share is like this. I don't know what their stocks are down. Everything's down at a certain point. They're probably going to even have to look towards internally laying off just staff at the networks and at the streamers because they're not generating the same income. I mean, how will we feel this if this stretches like into the fall? I mean, how what is what is what are the next how are the next few months different for you, Elise? You were talking earlier, actually, before we got on with like, there's some interesting distinctions between what you can and can't do as an yeah, actor. Yeah. So basically, as an actor with the strike, you can't work on anything that is under the, I, I always get the actual like acronym wrong, like the <laughs> AMPTP, which yes. is the producer's <laughs> union. So that's basically your major film and television, anything that is going to end up on a Netflix, Disney, Hulu, any anything like that. Commercials are a separate contract. So actors can still work on commercials uh, and you can still work on like a student film. I think some indie films indie are films, um, you can. Definitely yeah, do. like indie films are still above board. Theater. I think also theater soap operas, I think, are like a separate mm -hmm. thing. So I'm like, OK, get me on a soap opera. Um, and then like there, there's another category called industrials, which I, we were explaining to Amanda, that would be like, if you booked an in-flight <laughs> safety video, a sexual harassment <laughs> tutorial. Yeah. Or Meryl Streep in that because she needs work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jennifer Lawrence being like, please review your safety information. Right. right. Um, <laughs> so Can I touch your wiener? This is sexual harassment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, literally. So those things are still above board, but basically anything that is like a major actual production that is the bread and butter of being an actor outside of commercials, which is a big way that actors make money, 
mm-hmm. um, is off limits. I think, you know, the studios have prepared for this. I do think that they have backlogged content. But now that the actors are on strike too, things that were that had been fully written that were maybe going to be filmed are definitely not going to be able to be filmed. So the people so, who are willing to be a little scabby by filming things without union writers Ryan on staff Murphy's, are now now, now they now the they have actors, actors are going to have to walk off of that production. I mean, I don't know if Kim Kardashian is in SAG <laughs> or if she's going to walk she off. She should but... be SAG, honestly. Yeah, she really, I, I mean, I think. Because she's been in a lot of movies and TV yeah, shows. Yeah, I think she probably is technically in SAG because the other thing about SAG is if you work enough jobs, you become a must join, which mm-hmm. means like you you have to join the union. You can't mm-hmm. just be like, no, I'm Love not that. joining. So yeah. my guess would be that Kim is in SAG. I don't know. I don't know how much she cares about what's going on or being a scab She's like, I love the insurance. <laughs> Everyone must work. Everyone has yeah, to get up work. Your ass and get up work. your ass and work. I'm like, get up your ass and strike, bitch. Anyway. Bitch. So, <laughs> so, yeah, the things that were kind of barreling forward with production, even though one of the things the WGA has been doing is shutting down productions that were moving forward. So, like, they have been picketing mm-hmm. outside of these Ryan Murphy productions. There are a couple other shows that tried to film, and I think, like, Billions try or there, yeah, some, they're some on every season. street corner. Season yeah. of Billions, guys. <laughs> yeah. So, just so you know, <laughs> on the edge of my seat. But other major shows like Stranger Things and stuff like self shut down. They were like, we are not mm-hmm. in solidarity. We are not going to move forward with filming this season. So I think that, you know, I do think this is going to last into the fall. Mm-hmm. And I think that the studios, we're going to see movement from them when these big blockbuster things that they count on like a Stranger Things is not like they're not able to get the new season written or shot at all because of the strike. It's it's going to hurt them when they run out of pre-planned content and the stuff that actually makes them their money. Like, you know, Netflix doesn't make money on half the shit it puts out, but when they're not getting the new season of Bridgerton, that's mm-hmm. actually a problem for them. Like that is actually a big issue. When HBO Max has nothing to put in that 9 p.m. Sunday time slot that they tried to put the idol in, which, <laughs> but you know, it used to be like like House of the Dragon isn't filming. All of these shows that are about to win a bunch of Emmys are not going to be in production, and that actually does lose money for right. these studios. Eventually, people are going to be like, "What am I paying ten dollars a month for? Literally exactly. nothing." Right now, there's still some things. Well, there's going to be, I guess, a lot of a lot of rewatching in our in our future. So next up in main news, just like a mediocre looking guy you've been dating regularly for four months, some centrist politicians in Washington are insisting on no labels. A nonpartisan group called No Labels is plotting a third party presidential challenge. I am so sorry to share this news with you, but they are. And if they really go through with it, it could uh, really deprive, potentially deprive Joe Biden of the presidency. 
Senator Joe Manchin is scheduled to headline a no labels town hall in New Hampshire next week. New Hampshire is kind of like a, you know, it's like a live free or die state. I think they think there's um, a lot of people there that might be interested in an alternative. There's been quite a lot of speculation that Joe Manchin might consider making a third party run for the White House. He has said, um, I haven't ruled out anything, which is just like so fucking nuts to me because unlike Kristen Cinema, I feel like Joe Manchin has I don't, he's very much said, I believe, like I'm a Democrat and I am, this is what I believe democratic principles are. And so it's odd to me, it's very hypocritical to me that his defense before when people are like, why aren't you, why are you doing this? He's like, no, no, I am a Democrat. This is what Democrats believe. And I am just keeping the party in line. But now he's like, oh, maybe I'll just run as a third party. He's going to, you know, headline this thing over the weekend with like John Huntsman. I think a bunch of people in this group, you know, it's a bunch of like Democrats and Republicans who are pretty, have never really been successful in their own parties, like hugely successful at a national scale. It's a lot of people that have tried to run for president and just haven't found a base because, you know, there are parties in this country and, and people do generally uh, belong to one or the other. Joe Manchin has said he believes Americans are exceedingly frustrated by the growing divide in our political parties and toxic political rhetoric from our elected leaders. I think it's coming from one side in particular. Democrats have raised serious concerns that a third-party candidate would hurt Biden more than Trump. There's some polling that looks like it would. And we remember, like, 2020 was not – it was very, very close. Like, if people didn't come out, you know, a couple tens of thousands of people in three states. So the polling has showed that this would likely hurt Biden more than Trump. I think there's polling that shows that if DeSantis were the nominee, Biden would still win. But it's really not a conversation that anyone feels good about having. No Labels is saying that they don't want to be a spoiler and they're only going to endorse a third party ticket if they feel Americans are unsatisfied with the other party's options which is very funny because it's like, of course, we're unsatisfied, but like what? So I, a lot of like I've seen in the past couple of weeks, like Senate Democrats and a lot more national Democrats being like, this is an issue. And then there's another sort of I don't know what it's called, but there's another kind of like centrist group that's sort of trying to build itself up in opposition to this one, saying like, hey, we can all acknowledge that people are frustrated with how polarized things are without uh, spoiling the election for for Joe Biden. Yeah. Well, and it's also like, (laughs) what are these parties' principles? Mm -hmm. And are they different than the mainstream Democratic Party? No principles, just whatever's in the middle. The the mainstream Democrat, Joe Biden is the middle. Like, are you out of your fucking mind? Well, the right has gone so right that he looks left, but he is the middle. You're right. It's so crazy because it's like the thing that they're mad at, these parties, this like whatever Joe Manchin, no labels. They're not even actually mad at like Republican no. who and they're and they're truly crazy stuff that they're pushing. They're mad that progressives exist mm-hmm. and have a voice in the Democratic Party at mm-hmm. all. Even though progressives 99.9% of the time go along with what the majority of the party wants to do because they understand the need to like govern a country mm-hmm. so literally like the only thing they're mad about is that progress that progressives have a seat at the table in any way shape or form and their party principles are literally exactly what joe biden will be running on absolutely I so mean, yeah. what is the point of yeah. this they have like a 30 point plan and it's and also i was wrong um I should correct myself. Andrew Yang is part of a different, less relevant yeah, uh, that's third what I was party. Say, the forward party. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, the forward um, party. There is a desire to see something beyond the two-party system. There is a desire to 
you know, have things a little bit more. Our government doesn't work how it is right now. Congress can't pass anything. Senate can't pass anything. Supreme Court is like, it's all bullshit. So there is, I understand this need to like change things up. But the the thing is that Joe Manson specifically doesn't want to change how things work. Doesn't want to change the filibuster. Doesn't want to change how things are structured there to make things more There is one person standing in between getting more things done, and it is and Joe it's Manchin. him. And it's literally him. You don't want to change anything. You don't want to like actually take a. You have the power to look at how things are structured, and there is a conversation that needs to be had of like, is this the best way to run? Are things so polarizing, like? We can't actually get stuff in the middle if we broke the filibuster and people voted, you know, all that shit. Or it can be in the middle if there was an equal Supreme Court or it can be in the middle. And you have the power to do that. But instead, you're doing some other shit that is just going to harm Democrats because that's all you really want to fucking do. Yeah. If he really cared about Democratic values, he would not even entertain doing something that would compromise the election for for Joe Biden. Joe Manchin has gotten every single thing he's wanted. Everything. Like, what is he even, what are you mad about, darling? I think he thinks he's going to lose his Senate race, maybe. Well, that's not our problem. Yeah, and that yeah. actually has to do with Republicans. That mm-hmm. doesn't even have anything to fucking do with Democrats, number one, <laughs> and <laughs> which is great. And number two, this man has gotten everything that he has asked for. He wanted kickbacks for his coal bullshit. He got Got it. it. He doesn't want the filibuster. He doesn't want to repeal the filibuster. We've still got it. It's still there. He has literally stood in the way successfully of every single fucking thing progressives have wanted. So what is he even mad about? I think it's what you said of like, He's just mad that progressives exist and that, that you to have talk. to, yeah. yeah, that they get to talk and that they're they thi- dare that criticize him. They dare criticize him and that their things are at least fake considered before they go on with his shit. He doesn't even want that, mm-hmm. which is crazy. I don't think he's going to announce this this weekend. I just, contrary to the frequent invocation of my past statements on Senator Joe Manchin. I do not want him to be a presidential candidate. Moving on to a very quick women's rights and women's wrongs. Uh, We have this concerns women's rights, which were undermined this week by a woman in the wrong, perhaps one of our worst yet. Iowa has passed a ban on abortion at six weeks. Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds, a Republican, I hate this woman, had no better ideas to help the people of her state than to call a special section dedicated to banning abortion. The session lasted for 14 hours and um, a state representative who was a Democrat, uh, she had an incredible speech. It's on our, it's on the the feed, our Instagram feed, but Democrats, she noted that waiting periods require women to wait 24 hours after requesting an abortion before they can have the procedure because it's such a weighty decision. That is 10 more hours than Republicans even spent deciding whether they would ban it at all. This ban, this ban will take effect on Friday of this week. And six-week bans, of course, it, it, it's worth repeating. They are based on the false notion that fetuses have a heartbeat at this age. Whatever cardiac activity is detected is not a heartbeat as you understand it. We have all seen pictures of this, and it's also very subjective. Plus, you know, we were just talking about, like, being in the middle. It's also worth noting that 
abortion, most of these issues are not in the middle. 61% of Iowa voters, Iowa is a very red, not, I don't know if it's very red, it's a fairly red state, but 61% of Iowa voters favor abortion access. And of course, also worth repeating, medical professionals and reproductive rights group oppose abortion bans. They say they are not safe and they pleaded with lawmakers not to pass the ban, but but they did. It is it is crazy. I know it's been a year since Roe, but I'm like, I didn't know where this there were this many states because still day after day, a new state is is banning abortion. At least you can get the pill now <laughs> over the counter yeah. until they ban that. I know. I'm like, when are they going to come for that? Thanks, uh, Kim. Thanks a lot, Kim. Six weeks is really nothing. It's nothing. It means no. abortion is is outlawed. Is There's yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'll just I mean, I'll just speak from personal experience. I've talked on this podcast about how I had an abortion. I was 7 weeks pregnant when I went to the doctor and I I my period I had I was 2 days late on my period when I took the pregnancy test. So there was just there, there's just really no there's no way. Yeah, there's, there's no, no real earnest attempt here to make sure that that women have any time um, at all. I don't know. Hopefully this one will be challenged uh, if there's something in Iowa's constitution to give people a little bit uh, more time or for very smart lawyers to find a way to explain why this is not allowed. All right, we have, we're going to close with two, are men okay? All right, first up is a guy named a Representative Mike Lawler. This is a Republican from New York, and uh, he has been banned from Wikipedia. <laughs> I didn't even know that was possible. <laughs> Me neither. I thought you had to do some really gnarly shit. And I guess he did. So what he kept doing is that he kept editing his own Wikipedia page or like adding himself. Like he added himself to the notable alumni list for his college. And he just like made a number of shiny edits to his page. Like he linked out to his website. He linked out to some speeches he made. Uh, referenced his accomplishments. Accomplishments. So you are you're technically allowed to edit your own page, but Wikipedia has to know that it's you, so that they can determine if there's a conflict of interest or if any of these edits are just not appropriate, not not neutral enough. And I guess they kept asking him, like, "Hey, can you confirm this is like we know you're editing your page? Can you just like?" associate your real identity with your username. And he just never did. And then eventually he was told, okay, you need to stop. Like you need to stop editing your page until you verify your identity. He didn't. He just kept going. He kept editing his page. He kept adding himself to like top Republican lists in Wikipedia until he was banned. And so I guess this week they sorted out the ban because they finally got him. I think I think this article came out in the Daily Beast. His team was like, this is embarrassing. So his team worked with Wikipedia to verify his identity to restore his access. However, he has been reminded of the self-editing uh, policy that, generally speaking, it is frowned upon. And this isn't just like a, a random GOP like idiot. I mean, it probably is. But this is the guy that beat Sean Patrick Maloney. He's one of the people that, unfortunately, our state of New York is one of the reasons that um, – Congress went red. I didn't have time to read this morning, but I think there was like an, a good court case for Democrats about redrawing our map uh, for, for next cycle. So maybe that didn't happen. But yes, has this man, is this man who was banned from Wikipedia for editing his own page, is he okay? No. Clearly not. Um, it's it's also, there was an author, you know, they talked about this on Who Weekly, but there was an author who tweeted about how she wanted to get interviewed about getting divorced just so they can cite that on the Wikipedia, just so it could share. You know what I mean? Like yeah. a lot of people have to go through many hoops to make sure their Wikipedia is edited yeah. without getting in shit with Wikipedia so that this guy also like, this just makes him look like a loser. 
I'm like, who's editing their fucking Wikipedia? That Just have much? a staff member do it. Yeah, this man's definitely yeah. obsessed with them. And it's funny because the things he added, I expected it to be like really impressive things. He just put himself on the notable alumni list for Manhattan College. But also, I'm just like, Elise, in one of her things, has noted that there's a notable alumni of hers that was in the Taliban. <laughs> like, notable doesn't mean, like, great. It just means <laughs> yeah. of note. Just to be clear, he was an alumni of my high school, and he did join Al-Shabaab. He oh, Al-Shabaab, sorry. <laughs> it's a whole thing. His name is Zach Chester. He's white. I went to high school with him. It's really a long story, but either way, he is the person that I do have to defeat to become the most notable mm -hmm. alumni from my high school. Obsessed. I mean, or you could just, yeah, if your high school has the most notable alumni page, apparently I'm... Um, you can go in there and edit it. You can shoot your shot, Elise. Next up, North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum. Elise pointed out this story. This this is this governor is a Republican and he is running for president. He wants to qualify for the GOP primary debates, but to do so, he needs at least forty thousand donors from at least two hundred people. For excuse me, for forty thousand donations from at least two hundred people from at least twenty states. So, in order to participate in the debates, you have to kind of show like people are interested in the concept of me being president. You shouldn't, you know, you should get me a green room and some bottles of water for the debate. I should be part of it. He does not have that. So he is offering anyone who gives him a $1 cash donation, he will send them a $20 gift card in return. He will do this for the first 50,000 people to donate a dollar. His campaign confirmed that they'll get a Visa or a MasterCard gift card to their mailing address. This will cost him about a million dollars, but Doug Burgum's net worth is $1.1 billion. So this is a small price to pay to get him on the debate stage and raise his profile. It's giving Bloomberg. Is it legal? It seems like it's on the line. A lot of election like election experts were like, if if somebody like if this works for him, I can see somebody suing or making a case. But it's certainly not ethical and it certainly exposes um, some issues with with this system. But I'm curious, is this man OK? Do you think this is a do you think this is a good investment? Um, you know, this all ties in because. The man who played Connor Roy is getting getting uh, nominated for an Emmy. And this is giving Connor Roy energy yes, of very like much. pay to play. I'm shocked this wasn't in featured in the show. The writers probably didn't know about it. He they can't think of this. anything this dumb. The writers of Succession are intelligent, <laughs> smart people that are really tackling narcissism. They have not even considered... That a Visa MasterCard <laughs> gift gift card could even fuel narcissism like this in this way. So I just imagine like if I were trying to do something and somebody was like, you know, you're so unpopular and people are so disinterested and you being president that this is what you would have to do. I, I would simply say, sounds like perhaps I should bow out. Sounds like there's not really any appetite here. So it's just it really takes a white male billionaire to just be like, well, no, no, they don't know. They just don't know yet. So if I just pay a million dollars to bribe them eventually, it's just, it's just incredible. The lack of self-knowledge, the lack of just taking the fucking hint. It feels spiritually tied to adding yourself to the notable alumni page. Yeah. It's like, mm -hmm. just like, you know, when you are a notable alumni, right. you'll be added to the notable alumni page. If you were to be a viable presidential candidate, you could get 
uh, donations from 200 people. That is like, <laughs> that like truly in the scale of the United States could be zero people. Like that is right. So- you can get separate donations up to 40,000. It's just got to be from 200 separate people. Your mom can do it every day for a couple months. $40,000 in 200 people is not. It's 40,000 donations, I think. Yeah. But you can oh. apparently, but I think that, but it says from at least 200 people. So I think you can get like, if people donate, you know, 20 times they each, that's fine. They multiple times. Yeah. Is it but wrong that I'm like, should I do this? I thought the no, same thing. No, we were talking about this. Honestly, especially because I was like, this is this a way to get me off of the fucking text list from Democrats? <laughs> well, I'm also like, I don't want to tell my family in Florida to do this because they would just to get $20. You know, mm-hmm. if you donate to this guy 10 get times, billboards everywhere. that's a lot of fucking money. You know what I mean? Like $10 I, you, to turn it to 200 This is a great. Re- it's scheme. a great. Oh, my God. It is. It is a great return on investment. Absolutely. I've done shadier things to get a $20 Visa or MasterCard gift card. Well, Those are valuable. You can you can spend them on anything. Anything. <laughs> You can spend them on not drugs to bring to the White House. Exactly. I mean, you could probably put it in your Venmo. Probably figure it out. Mm, <laughs> if if people are going to do anything, it's it's figure out how to use Venmo to buy drugs. But yeah, so this man, I think it's a it's a novel idea, but something is off. If the if uh, your first thought when when your staff says, "Sir, you don't have the donations. People are not interested in you being president." When you say, "Well, uh, let me pay them. <laughs> let me pay." It's giving. It's giving. You know, when they when they got the bus for Stormy, it's like, no, 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 no. The issue is not that she can't go to school. It's that she doesn't have friends. Yeah, yeah, she wants a she just wants a bus full of friends. Yes. Not a school not an actual school bus. So Doug's Doug Burgum's a White House chances are are probably dashed for now, unless he can get all of this and make some sort of incredible uh, impression, or unless the No Labels party takes off and <laughs> denies. Yeah, I'm like, you honestly have a better and less embarrassing path by just going into no labels territory than, That's true. than this. And again, I I really feel like there's one person who vacations in Boston and Michigan that hates me. But I'm just going to say that the No Labels Party is given polyamory in a way that makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, Joe Manchin, Kirsten Cinema, and Joe Biden are a polycule. Well, well I think we should end there. <laughs> <laughs> that is our show for today. And of course, don't forget to listen to Dr. Akila Kadeh's new show, Soft Black Woman, airing on Fridays. There will be a new episode in this feed tomorrow. Until the end of Democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Millie Tamaras. And this is the Betches Up Podcast. Bye. The Betches Up Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales Pico, and Rebecca Sousmacat. Editing by Rebecca Sousmacat. Social media by Amanda Duberman and Bridget Swartz. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails at suppod at betches.com. Betches.